I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Every city has one. It's the civic space that once held so much promise, but is now moribund, lacking people and energy. Until last summer, Philadelphia's Spruce Street Harbor was one such place. That is, until David Fearrobin and his colleagues at Groundswell Design transformed it with inexpensive temporary design changes that have made it the place to go in Philadelphia. David, we visited in Philadelphia last week and had a chance to see some of your work that is transforming the city. Let, let's start with the Delaware River Waterfront, where you designed two seasonal projects, the Spruce Street Harbor Park, and then the second site of Summerfest and Winterfest. This site occupies a really thin slice of land between an expressway and a river that was widely considered inaccessible. But people, to, much to everyone's surprise, are now flocking to the site. They're going seven days a week. They're going 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. What is the magic that you've created there? Well, I think it was definitely a challenge. There's no doubt about it. Um, when we were tasked with kind of activating this space, you know, we were looking at it, and it was really, like you had said, Carol, it's kind of a tough space. It's disconnected from I-95. So Columbus Boulevard has never really been um, activated in the past. And since it's been cut off, it's kind of fallen into this little bit of deterioration space until... You know, master, you know, master planning is well underway, um, but as I always say, I'm not going to be around by the time it uh, is, is implemented. And it, so in the meantime, we really wanted to start looking at it and, you know, take and seeing how we can best make use of the space without really uh, changing topography, more embracing it. So, you know, Spruce Street Harbor Park, for example, was, you know, a park that had been designed in the 80s. Uh, had a, you know, and definitely for that time was, uh, you know, an 80s park and it definitely worked at, you know, at that particular moment. But as we know, life is constantly changing and morphing. So we, the best part about this project was that it had these amazing trees as part of the structure. So it was long and linear. So, you know, first it started, you know, kind of this placemaking idea. How do we take this park that's thin, like you said, disconnected? embrace it within a, in a, in a, in a real budgetary uh, way, but also make it successful. And, you know, part of it, it's an, exp you know, it is, it was a bit of an experiment and we have to say it was a very successful experiment. Um, and, you know, we started just looking about what people, you know, what do people like to do? I mean, I always take it back to, you know, life is busy. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time and, what do you want to do when you're out of work? And what do you want to do on the weekends? And, you know, we're in a culture where, you know, two people work in a household now and just, you know, and they want to be with their kids and their family and their dogs, whatever you call your family. And you want to be able to involve them in your daily activities. So for us, it was really important um, that we wanted to make it, a, uh, you know, a local hotspot for Philadelphians, but also a tourist destination. It came out of concept. You know, we started talking about, I was talking about these concept uh, notions. So the concept for us was the Jersey Shore. I grew up out here on the East Coast and not too far outside of Philadelphia. And I always remember as a child, you know, loving the Jersey Shore and the sights and the smells and the sounds, all the things that activate you in in ways that you might not know that you're being activated so other than the pretty visuals what else can i tap into 
that is um, eye candy, but also kind of uh, takes me a little bit on a journey and evokes an emotion. The space is attracting such an interesting mix of people. How, how do you get that mix? It is. I mean, it's an it's it's definitely one for the um to analyze. You know, we always talk about you know case studies. This is definitely one uh, across the board that works. So, you know, people are drawn to the waterfronts. You know, generally, you know, this was an industrial waterfront, and through the years had been cut off. So, you know, the mix for me is always about our design aesthetic is always about um, programmatic. So, how do people live their lives? So, and then we work backwards. So. I like working kind of in a very kind of vague fashion of vague ideas and then let it develop organically. So, for example, here we started with, you know, what what are the hours of operation? Who does this appeal to? Who's coming to it? So for local Philadelphians, which I think is really important, you know, I want to tap into what's missing for, you know, people in Philadelphia. And I always say green space. There's not enough green space in Philadelphia. We have these gorgeous squares. Um, you know, they're very revered, but, you know, are they really um, usable spaces? Some are, some aren't. Uh, this particular space had that usability factor for me. So I felt that we could activate it in a way that spoke to different people at different times. So part of it is it's a park. We want it to be free. So we didn't want, you know, we started out with like, you know, we want to have those programming pieces in place, but we certainly did not want people to, uh, be albet of the experience if they uh, wanted to come down with their family and just stroll and just walk and maybe bring their own sandwich and lunch, no matter what your economic means are. So we made it um, accessible to everyone. And I think that was really important. So that was the key thing that really worked for us. Um, we then started to program it in a way and started to layer in. And I always talk about food and, and you know, things uh, like that that really help lay the the groundwork for what the project is so we wanted during the morning you know we thought we want the joggers coming by we want people to be grabbing a cup of coffee and maybe sitting out and being able to relax or just stroll you know jogging through this beautiful um, visually appealing space lots of color lots of grasses lots of smells you know things that kind of have movement to them and then as the day progresses we wanted to definitely have that food element um, that was uh, there for people if they wanted it. So we created, you know, f uh, food and uh, working with local artisans and craftspeople. And then we took it into, you know, the afternoon crowd. What does that look like? That's tourists, that's families, that's people who, you know, it's certainly a summer, uh, popular summer venue. So a lot of children are out of school and parents are always looking for um, interesting things um, that provide a little bit of an education to them, which I feel this does, uh, being on the waterfront, but also that are fun. I mean, it's fun. You know, you got to get your kids activated. And so that became a little bit more of the uh, afternoon crowd. And then into the evening, we created a beer garden, and uh, which certainly speaks to the after work crowd, people wanting to socialize and community and then music. But it wasn't the drive of the project. We're not, we weren't looking to create bars and that kind of um, vibe or scene. We really just wanted to make it part, you know, like a, a thread. I always talk about threads. And then people could pick and choose. This is a very large space. So it's about three acres. So what we wanted to do was, you know, kind of create this idea of moments, you know, obviously, um, you know, we wanted pockets of memories, you know, it, it creates places for people. So we, we needed to break that down a little bit um, in an elemental way that, 
people were still part of the whole experience, but if I wanted to go have a beer, I could go have a beer and a great sausage, local sausage sandwich. If I wanted to lay in a hammock that was free, I could stay there all day and just, you know, look and get this beautiful shade from these uh, gorgeous trees um, that were planted, you know, uh, 30, 40 years ago. But also take part in viewing gardens and things that were really unique to the site. You know, we created lots of different artisanal moments um, along the way for people to really um, look at the site and be a, and be a part of it. A great light show at night that you can bring your kids. It's different every night, so you can bring your family to it. And certainly, it has it's it's ever changing. It's moving, um, but yet it's free. David, you also designed the porch at the 30th Street Station that is the entrance to West Philadelphia. It's a former parking lot. It's now full yes. of seating and plantings and people. What was your concept? You talk about concept. What was your concept mm -hmm. for the porch? So our concept there was, you know, we were taking something and building upon it. So I really feel, I mean, this is just my personal aesthetic and, and, our, and my design um, ideal, ideals. I feel like you, you know, we live in a world that everybody just wants to take everything out and start over fresh. And I'm not really sure for, for me or for people that that's the way to approach it. We love to reuse things. So Porch is a great example of um, us doing the 2.0 and there was a 1.0 in place already. So, there, you know, there was this parking lot that, that serviced um, 30th Street Station. And it, um, it was a parking lot. And so we realized that a lot of people pass through this space. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was um, just a parking lot, but it was also designed in a way that there was just umbrellas and seating. So it was a little bit, again, that test, you know, putting your you know, toe in the water and testing it. So it worked. People liked it. People were talking about it. And it was uh, a little bit of uh, green space. So then we came in and we really, um, we worked at UCD on it and certainly the Knight Foundation and came in and wanted to see, okay, how can we make this better? We don't want to take anything out because it, it wor it's working, but how can we create a more uh, verdant and lush space on, you know, really this concrete space that has the moment that can is movable you know uh, part of you know the, the train station's requirements were hey this has to be able to disappear if we need to get in here so you know for us we didn't want to make it look like a temporary project so we came up with this uh, stack system or parklets um, but in an elevation change it's a very long space uh, that runs along market street from um, 29th to 30th street uh, running east and west uh, 31st and so um, we just started layering in all these ideas. We love the umbrellas. They had these umbrellas. So granted, they're not my favorite color. Um, and I didn't feel like it gave a vibrance to it. But what we started to do was add in a, a language of local artisans making our idea of an umbrella, but a green umbrella that would be provide shade, but be can a canopy, but also be a sculpture in the wintertime. So there's I like the 365, so I like the idea of creating this um, artful element in all our projects. So this has a lot of art in it. We we created screens along um, Market Street that w all the metal was reused from previous projects. It was either donated um, or it was just found. And we really turned them into these beautiful kind of tree-like structures that will eventually carry vines on them. 
they separate us from the street a little bit in the traffic in a way that it doesn't close it off. You know, I like to embrace things and I think it kind of, it works, but it also gives me a little sense of, sense of space and um, separation. We created some elevation changes to kind of take your eye up and down and a little bit on a rolling um, course as you run along that long length of the two blocks. We brought in bright colors, you know, certainly that always activates. Um, we brought in games, we brought in, these life-size dominoes that you know we can lay there. People can again, if somebody wants to do this uh, for free, there's no charge for this. You can bring your food here. I mean, I think it's about activating in a way that it's it's accessible. It's accessible for everyone, and it's beautiful. But yet, if I we put a restaurant in, if you want a restaurant, there's that moment in it as well. It's not the predominant factor it's but but it is certainly um part of that layering and that painting you've just described two really tough sites in your world david does every site have potential or would you ever look at a site and go mm, no no way i mean is there something that makes a site so undesirable that you feel like you couldn't work with it um, well, great question, Carol. I'm a forever optimist, um, and I am a, a merchandiser at heart. So I would have to say no to that question, is that I definitely think everything has potential. I mean, I think there is a certain beauty into uh, of a dumpster that could potentially become a planter or a site that is a old, you know, a, a lot that's a parking lot that becomes, you know, a, a pop-up venue for the summer that activates a community. Uh, I, I think that everything has its merits. I think you just have to look for it. Sometimes you have to dust it off a little bit, but I definitely think everything has good bones. Um, I believe that in about everything, people, sites, um, yeah, just life in general. I don't think that anything, uh, I think everything can be repurposed and reused. Um, and that's, uh, the, that's just how I feel about kind of all our projects in life. So I think everything everything can be something. I think it just has to be, sometimes it has to be site specific um, and it has to, you know, it also has to assimilate into the community. I don't think you can drop things in that don't make sense. I think they have to make sense to the people who live in the community and they have to function and work um, for its, its users. I mean, we are about adaptive reuse. So I think that that speaks to your, your question. You said you were a merchandiser <laughs> and and a retailer before you became a landscape architect. And I think it does show in your projects. Describe the influence that your retail experience has had on your design approach. So this is a second iteration of um, my midlife crises. Um, so uh, I was a merchandiser at heart and I did have, as you know, we had discussions about this last week, but I was a merchandiser. I, and I under, I spent enough time in different areas across the country. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a successful business uh, across, um, you know, the East coast, um, North and South, uh, that gave me insight in different communities and different people and the way every, you know, different folks live. It was not a generic across the board um, space. So it helped me understand it was at a very formative time in my life, uh, obviously late 20s, 30s, or learning. I think you can learn anytime, but it certainly was, I was absorbing like a sponge. But I really paid attention to how people looked at things and how if you move something an inch, you change it on, you know, tilt it, you give it a shadow, it could be the same thing. It's just used in a different ways. And, and it 
I'm always, I come from a family of horticulture. So I knew eventually I would come back into kind of my passion. And um, I think, you know, our projects, if you, you know, when you look at them, you know, we do everything you see is everything we've done, like from front end to, to end out, you know, generally I always say we're a turnkey operation. Um, and we'd like to hand somebody over the keys with everything thought about from beginning to end, but also merchandise and, and beautified in a way that sometimes we don't, you don't have to buy something new just to make it beautiful. I think if you kind of think about how you can reuse it um, or how moving something or just changing it, it's, you know, it's like, it's no different than clothing. You know, you can wear the same pants, but mix it up with a different shirt or a tie or blouse or whatever then it always, it'll look different. Um, so I think that I've really, I, do, I paid attention to how people, what people like and what um, kind of resonates with people. Many of your projects, David, seem to start as pop-ups or temporary. You've worked in that. Um, you feel, you must feel comfortable in that. What do you say, although there's a, a bit of a debate now developing about the, the value of pop-ups and are they keeping us from serious design or permanent commitments to public space, what do you see as the advantages and disadvantages of temporary installations for cities? I mean, I think, I definitely am all for master planning um, and I think long-term goals are very important. Um, so I don't see really any downside to pop-ups. I think they, you know, if you're going to have a pop-up as an idea, it should have a shelf life and it should have a span. You know, people all, you know, we're about a culture of, uh, presence and shiny objects. And, you know, think about the, the joy that comes out of opening up a birthday gift. So that's kind of the concept of a pop-up, right? So it's something new. So I think if it falls into long-term, it's certainly, um, it's certainly, you know, pop-ups can show what a place can be. So case in point, Spruce Street Upper Park last year was a pop-up. It was going to be a um, six-week pop-up, and it, it did get extended for a, about a month uh, longer than it was, than it was um, intended for. But it, it's, it's come back in full force, Mayor Nutter. I mean, everybody in the city was, you know, was looking at it as like, you know, here's what this space could be. Here's what it should be. People are using it. We're, it's just the economic advantage of there's a, a whole life that has come to the waterfront, not just for, you know, people using it, but also for the vendors who are down there. It's providing people jobs. So, um, you know, I don't think it takes away from, you know, the, I don't think pop-ups take away from the fiber of long-term planning or, you know, I think they're a great use of a abandoned parking lot, you know, um, that may have sat inactive for summer. I mean, we worked on the um, PHS, PHS um, Pennsylvania Horticulture Society's first pop-up beer garden um, three summers ago. It was it was a lot that had been vacant for years. It was intended to be a hotel um, and housing um, for um, a university in Philadelphia. So that was the long term, you know, so who knew when that was going to be maneuvered through the system? I mean, it was in, there was an intention there for the space, but we took it and made it into or, or you know, brought it to life, gave it an organic um, place. And it was really wildly successful. It's not there anymore. It's now become something else. It's now housing for students. So I would argue with people who say that, that this was... Um, you know that it's that it's taking away. I actually think that it's 
it's getting people excited about sit, you know, cities, especially Philadelphia. Um, you can go at any time of the day down the Spruce Street Harbor Park, and it's activated with all different um, folks, you know, across the board who really are enjoying it. Um, so I think that they don't take away. I think they, I think they add, and I think they embellish, um, you know, where we are. I think. I think it scares people, I think, because, you know, now we're in this pop-up phenomenon and I think, you know, people are like, oh, I'm sick of pop-ups, but use a different word, use placemaking, you know, pick a different word to change the the language of it, but it's still giving a sense of space to something that wasn't there before. It doesn't have to be a beer garden. It can be a beautiful park, you know, just green space where people can go and stop and, and have their lunch there. Um, so I think that I hope they continue. We've had um some i we've had some pop-ups that uh, or some specific restaurants to uh that we do hospitality as well that you know some people say oh that's a pop-up i'm like it's actually not a pop-up it's the, you know they have a 10-year lease and you know and they have a liquor license or they you know so there is some permanence to what people i think uh, look at as um as pop-ups another thing to me too is that i like I think people are about change. They want to know that they can hold on to something, but I do also think that they like the next thing. Why do people go to art galleries? Because the art, you know, they'll go to beautiful bricks and mortar, but if the same art show is showing all the time, they're, they're not going to be able to pull in new audience. So I think it's important to kind of activate it through different uses of the space. I think you can add to it. I think you can edit um to those spaces as well but i do think they are really um i think it's a successful use of of space what kinds of projects are in your future great question so um our ever our never-ending spruce street harbor park which always turns in which started as um Winterfest, which was a skating rink and that goes away and then spruce street harbor park pops up and now it's a roller rink in the where the skating rink was will then become a uh, skating rink once again and a very successful skating rink on the Delaware place, you know, a beautiful place with lodges and fireplaces and fire pits that was a parking lot. So until it becomes something else, this is a great space. It's letting people come down to the Delaware. It's letting people have a do. They're doing things. They're being active. Um, so we have that always going on. We um, are working on an eight with Asian arts um, in, in Philadelphia on the Asian arts initiative, which was um, an art place grant. And we are activating four blocks on Pearl Street that run uh, from Broad to 10th um, that run parallel with Vine. And it's in, in envelopes in Friends of the Rail Park, who are working on the viaduct, as well as Center for Architecture. And it's about, you know, this is a, this is a great look at, you know, we're embracing the local artists, the local community. So there will be some murals. And you know what? Some are going to be two years and some are going to be for 10 years. But it's about creating an artful walk in that once was an alley. So we are neck deep in that. Uh, we are working on Design Philly. We are chairing that this year. Uh, a number of restaurants in um, Philadelphia we're working on uh, and across the country. We're also doing some development projects, which is really interesting. We're working with some really large developers who are starting to we wouldn't, we wouldn't we wouldn't think would be a strategic partner with us however they reached out to us on kind of developing large development spaces of you know mixed use projects along the Delaware and also in the city for because they're identifying that things have to be different you can't just 
people want sense of space. So you can't just put up 220 units of a condo or townhouses and expect, you know, what, so what are the amenities besides the basic amenities, you know, a gym and, and a restaurant? You know, it's about, it's about outside and, and how people live their life, you know, inside, outside. Um, so we're, we are working on two fairly large development projects on the waterfront uh, with two different companies. Um, we are working on a really exciting project uh, in Center City um, on a master plan that we're more to come on that one. Um, so that's an exciting project as well as projects in California and across the country. Um, you know, they're really focused on um, placemaking. So not, you know, not pop-ups, but, you know, in the spirit of craftsmanship and community collaboration, historic reuse, all those things that really embrace um, what we do. David, it was so much fun to see your projects um, in Philadelphia last week, to see the, the, the new work you've done for the summer. And uh, it's always an inspiration. Thanks so much for being our guest on Night Cities. Thanks so much for having me, Carol. David Fearrobin is principal with Groundswell Design Group in Philadelphia. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities and at C. Coletta. Sign up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash podcast to get the five things you should know from this interview and others. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta.